Where are we going? Over the top. It's time to go over the top with Michelle Taylor Willis. What's up? Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. I I don't even know what day it is. I'm still on a high from Monday night, but we're going to talk about that in just a minute. What's up, guys? It is Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis with the one and only, yours truly, Michelle Taylor Willis, right here on Real 1100 AM. I am your drive home entertainment every Wednesday right here at 4 p.m. On Over the Top, and I got to make sure I welcome our listening audience on uh, iHeart. <laughs> I was like, wait, where am I? I have so many shows, I can't keep them separate. I'm like the old woman with all of the kids. There was an old radio host who lived in uh, Atlanta. She had so many shows, she couldn't handle them. Get it? See how I kind of made it rhyme? Bars at all? No, nothing? No. Thank you very much, Greg. I put my heart and my soul into that. I put everything I had into it. I'm so excited about today's show. I hope you guys had have had a great week. And if you are driving home, settle in. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be the time of your life. I don't want to oversell it. But the guest we have in is actually pretty amazing. So you got two hours with me. It's going to be tons of fun. So we got at 5 o'clock, senseless shenanigans and... Apparently, it's got something to do with a penguin, but we'll get to that when we get to it. And then, of course, every Wednesday at 530, it's Ask the MT Dubs, 404-603-8770. I'm going to go ahead and give you guys that number now. If you are watching on Facebook, hello, or Instagram, what's going on, at Michelle Taylor Willis. Um, You guys can chat with us in the comments. Put in one of your questions and maybe we'll ask it during Ask Michelle, but we're going to go ahead and pin that number in the comments right now as we speak. That's 404-603-8770, and you can just call in and have a chat with my guest, who is much more interesting than I am, or if you want to ask me a question, you can do that as well. Okay, let me fill you guys in on what happened on Monday. It's so funny, everybody in the studio is like, hmm, what's she talking about? Even Greg, Greg, do you know what I'm talking about? How do you not know? You work with me. Don't you know every single thing that happens in my life all the time? Uh, No, that would be called stalking. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, because you're kind of, since you're kind of on payroll, I don't know, well, I guess you could have like the payroll weirdos that you work with, but that's not you. No. (laughs) Greg is smiling today. He must have had a good day, you know. Greg, say hi to all the listeners out there. Hello. <laughs> Greg drinks way too much coffee. I mean, way too much coffee. I'm looking at Sky, our station manager, behind the glass, behind the Oz curtain. Um, just for those of you guys who are just coming in, uh, it's the first time you've ever listened to me. Greg is our amazing producer. He's so good, but he's highly excitable. It's like we can't keep this guy contained. He's nonstop laughter. He's nonstop movement. He's nonstop excitement, and it's just like, uh, I just want to tell him sometimes, Greg, shut up. He just won't stop talking, and so he's just done. So anyway, 
Thank, Greg, thanks for staying quiet today. We appreciate it. And there's the thumbs up. All right. And the big smile. Okay. Let me tell you what happened on Monday. And my guest who's here is going to promote extensions of what happened on Monday. But on Monday, we had the world premiere for the film Code Noir. <laughs> That's French. <laughs> you know, when you do real French, you got to put that <laughs> in it. And this film, loosely, we're going to talk about this a lot today, is based on Alex Dumas, who is the father of Alexandre Dumas, the famous writer who wrote The Count of Monte Cristo. I used to call it The Count of Monte Cristo when I was a kid. The Count of Monte Cristo, um, The Three Musketeers, and his dad was, dun dun dun, dun little known fact, black. His mom was of Haitian descent, his father was white, and you know what they say, one drop of brown blood, to keep it clean, makes you brown. Right. And so, uh, yeah. And people didn't know that. And not only was his dad an amazing black man in history, but he led the Black Legion in Bonaparte's army. He was the strongest soldier. He rose up the ranks incredibly fat, faster than anybody. He was strong. He was valiant. He was amazing. And he produced one of the most prolific writers of our time. And so everybody needs to know the story. And that's what the film was about. It was based on a book. I mean, it was based on a play that was based on a book that was written by Tim Rice. And uh, the theater company that created this project is headed up by none other than one of the most, I, and I'm not blowing smoke when I say this, and you guys who are watching me on Instagram right now or Facebook um, and who's listening on Real 1100 AM right now, or if you know anything about theater, this woman that is sitting across from me right now, Carolyn Cook, is one of the most incredible actresses to ever hit stage. And I don't mean in Atlanta. I don't mean in Georgia. I mean nationally and across the world she is that good and um and if you see when you see this production whether on stage or on film you will be able to say it i mean it was just it's magical watching her work so carolyn cook is here she is the star of um code noir and um and she wrote it and she produced it and she um, directed like the stage, the stage um, piece, and she Lauren. just no the stage. Lauren directed the stage. Oh my gosh, Lauren did that. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Lauren's amazing too. I thought she just did the film. So okay, well, we're gonna talk about Lauren too. Um, but Carolyn's just amazing, and she is a true multi hyphenate, and she is here in the studio with us. But we premiered this at the Southwest Art Center Monday night which was, you know, is a, is a black venue um, in a traditionally black part of town, um, coming off the heels of Black History Month and going into Women's History Month. I mean, all of these things around this premiere just made perfect sense, and the timing was perfect. And, um, and I am honored to have a small part in this film. So I actually made my film debut, Greg, which you did not know, in this amazing 
piece and I played Alex's mom. So, and you played her beautifully, Michelle. Well, thank you. Um, I wanted to make sure that we could do the part justice, but let's just talk about the turnout. Amazing. Amazing. It was like a who's who. It, it was, was phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, there were so many people there, so many media folks, so many people from uh, different aspects of Atlanta and Fulton government and uh, city of Sofu. I mean, wow. It was literally like a who's who. I mean, actors, entertainers, um, singers, like you said, dignitaries, and I mean, congressmen and, and representatives, and I mean, everybody, and my kids. Yeah. Best part, right? Two of my kids. Best part. Two-fourths of the clan was there. <laughs> um, but I just couldn't believe the turnout. It was like, a, I mean, it was huge. The media, mm -hmm. I'm still getting all of these photos from media. Um, um, yeah, it was a red carpet extravaganza. It was fantastic. But I The just, photos that I've seen are fabulous. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to uh, ATL Yoshi Photography. You took some amazing pictures. Um, and shout out to all the media that was there. I mean, um, um, Downtown Hot Radio, um, 92.3 Hits, uh, In the Know. Uh, gosh, there's so many. I, I can't recall. Um, um, Atlanta Business Journal. Uh, we had just had tons of people there. Apex, the Apex Museum. Apex Museum was mm -hmm. there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and a huge shout out to Salandia at the Southwest Art Center. She runs, she runs the Southwest Art Center. And did you see the exhibit that they had going to? Which was like... Fabulous exhibit of uh, the history of fashion, right? Just like so beautiful. So beautiful. And again, for the time period that we shot, yeah. I mean, this is a period piece. Yeah. It was like we could have taken one of those... One, one of, of those, those dresses. And put yeah. them on. I could have worn one in the in the film. Yeah, it was fabulous. It was crazy. But I just want to say kudos to the theater. Thank you. And um, just for being available to do such an amazing just to be there for just such an amazing event i mean i was literally i was blown away i was too and you know how they say if you if you're hosting a party and and you have a good time you know it was a good party yeah and Did that's how fun? i felt i have fun yeah it was great i had such a nice time from beginning to end from getting there in my low-heeled shoes <laughs> and running around making sure everything was where it needed to be and the wonderful event planner um sheila mance had everything she needed that you know from us and uh to to running into the ladies room and throwing on some makeup and my super high heels and party party <laughs> and you look great too because we only we usually only see you in like jeans and a t-shirt because oh, yeah. you're always yes. just running around I'm always running things. around behind the scenes until it's time for me to step on stage put on that costume and go yeah yeah but you looked fantastic oh thank you michelle thank you i was in fantastic company well you were there in your Sparkly golden gown. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Shout out to Geneva Adams. Mm -hmm. Geneva makes, if you see me in anything like on TV or red carpet or 99.9% .9 of the time she made it. Wow. From scratch. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, it was thrilling. It was thrilling and it was great to see that much attention to the story of General Alex Dumas because um, so many people don't know about him. You know, uh, the winners write the history books, right? So I love that. Say that again. Yeah, the the winners. winners write the history books. And it's so important to go back and say, well, what did we miss? What did I miss? Uh, it's, as uh, it's a line from Hamilton. But um, oh, yeah. it's a 
it's it's so important to go back and say, whoa, 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 right there. And so Tom Reese, who is a, a biographer, he's written several really, really great books, but he wrote this book, The Black Count, about uh, General Alex Dumas and about a particular period in French history where slavery was abolished and there were so many opportunities in that traditionally white society for people of color. Um, and then, you know, that blossomed and then it, that wilted. And <laughs> <laughs> sad to say, um, and, and Tom Reese really calls attention to that in, in the book. It's a great, great story. And not just about Alex Dumas, but of course it's, it's his biography. But you learn about so many different people in, uh, in reading that book. And yeah. movements and and the Haitian Revolution alongside the French Revolution and so on and so forth. So fascinating. It is. And I read the book. Uh, actually, I read about 80% of it. I still have 20% to go. But in my reading, and I know we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I really want to dive into this story and especially the book. Um, but the book is one of those books. It's captivating, but you really have to pay attention to it. Like if you're tired, if you're falling asleep while you're reading that book, you're gonna you're gonna completely yeah. Like you it's have a good to one go for back. just you know get out, take a coffee break, and sit yeah. down and and just really pay attention because there is so much detail. He there's writes so much beautifully, meat. but there's so much detail, and you want to get it all. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. It's like so detailed. And when I was reading it and learning to your point about all of these different pieces, just in Alex's family, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The brothers and the you know, um, and just the you know the housekeepers. Yeah, I mean, everybody. He yeah. writes about it's so detailed. Yeah, but you want to know it. You want you want all the details because then you can. It's almost like you can transport back in time. Yeah, to when this to when this was. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Back in this uh, ancient time in France, yeah. I guess, and then in Haiti, because he takes you into all these different worlds. And so the book was a great was an inspiration and and to me for you know all of the research that he did and that made me go back to the primary sources and look at what did Alexandre Dumas the the novelist who wrote the Count of Monte Cristo what did he write down about his father mm. General Alex Dumas and I tried to really go from that from that primary source and you know not do an adaptation of the of the biography but create our own mm. piece based on um, what was you know in the historical record right and uh you know we created something that i guess you know if you read historical fiction or something like that i guess it falls in that genre where there's a fictional side to it sure but it's got this real historical character in it and it goes through events that actually happened and i love what you did with the the creative liberties you took in the different characters you play we want to talk about that too it's just your piece to all of this the writing and the acting of it was just amazing. So we had to take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk some more to Carolyn Cook. She's the executive director and founder and creator of Teatro Jurev, which just celebrated its 25th anniversary. A TDR is the only French-speaking theater company in America and is headquartered right here in Atlanta. And it's amazing. And they're doing amazing work around French, French education. Um, and so we're going to come back and talk about all of that with our guests. If you are listening and driving home, please stay in your cars. Even if you're home, like, just don't get out. I just feel like you just sit in your driveway because this is going to be amazing. We got Senseless Shenanigans coming up at 5. Ask Michelle at 5.30 right here on Real 1100 AM on Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis. Hang tight. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back, guys. Michelle. 
Michelle. All right, guys, we are back. Welcome back to Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis on Real 1100 AM in the heart of Atlanta. Speaking of heart, hello, all of you iHeart listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're just tuning in, you missed some stuff, but you didn't miss much because we are about to like literally dive into this. But before we do, I got to make sure I give a special shout out to our sponsor, Coca-Cola Bottling Company, United Rudd and... And Steve and Vic, all of you guys there at the South Metro location, thank you so much. If you have to drink Coke, I mean soda, because y'all know I'm not a soda person. I don't like soda. It's not good for you. And they know I feel this way. But if you have to drink something brown with bubbles in it, make sure it's a Coke, okay? Just make sure it's a Coke, people. This is Coke Zero Sugar, which apparently is amazing. Let me tell you why I do like this little Coke thing. Because the can is so adorable. Can you get this for our Instagram? Hello, Instagram, at Michelle Taylor Willis. Thanks for the follows. Okay, it's just so adorable. Like, isn't it just a cute little fat can? It is. And I can remember when Coca-Cola was called the real thing. The real the thing. Real was that thing. like back in the 80s or the uh, 90s? Uh, I think that probably was the 70s, Michelle. Was it? <laughs> oh, I don't know any. I'm not, I wasn't born in the 70s, so I don't the know. The real thing. Yeah. I have no idea about the 70s. Yeah. It's just not my... My son is looking at me crazy. I got to give a shout out to the B, the B doves. My son, my 15-year-old is on uh, spring break this week. And as a family, we can't always take spring break together because everybody has different spring breaks. So all of his friends are out on spring break right now, but he's stuck at home because two other kids are still in school. So we use April, we use Easter weekend as our spring break because everybody's out for Easter. But I got to put the camera on him because he's just so super cute. Look at him. Where are you? Where? Wait, wait, where? Did I go too far? I'm sorry, real 1100 AM. You can't see him, but apparently we can't either because I don't know how to work this camera. Anyway, just trust me. He's over there. And he's super cute. Hi, buddy. Say hi. Hi. He said hi for those who can't hear him. Okay, so we're back. We got Carolyn Cook in the house and i need you guys to make sure you stay tuned because the senseless shenanigans is crazy and it's brought to you by pristine and clean tv installations my boy justin make sure you holler at him pristine and clean tv installations that godaddy.com but you'll learn more about them in a second let's talk about carolyn and this project that tdr Rev, is producing um first of all we've got so many people on Facebook right now that were at the premiere on Monday and they're singing your praises. Um, Sweet. Sweet, sweet. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, uh, you're amazing. Okay, so set the stage for, you know, what happened back in 2018, 2019 when you first, you know, and then kind of take us through to, to the film. Okay, you bet. So the, um, the company, the name of our company, um, which uh, Michelle has been a fantastic board volunteer for for many years, um, is Théâtre du Rêve. Théâtre du Rêve, which means theater of the dream. Um, because I always had this dream of acting in French, and I couldn't convince any other theater companies to take the chance on it. And so um, back in 1996, I, I produced a play in French and sort of... Um, Uh, It just went from there. It really snowballed. It was very exciting. Um, So Atlanta has this French-speaking theater company right here. And one of the things that's happened over the years is that I've realized um, uh, my colleagues and I grew up learning about European, French, 
literature and drama and all of this kind of stuff. Moliere, of course, you know. Uh, and But the Francophone world is huge. It's massive. There's French everywhere. So there's French in the Caribbean. There's French in Africa. There's French in Asia. Of course, there's French in Canada. There's French in Louisiana. There's even French in the state of Maine in the United States. I mean, it's... In the state of Maine? In the state of Maine. Who's speaking French up there? Well, people, early French settlers, before that was part of the United States. Um, and so, and now, let me tell you who's speaking French there. Um, people who have uh, had to leave Africa as refugees who are from French-speaking countries. Oh, wow. Maine is a place where they can speak French, yeah. So um, that's been a really neat connection between people who are descended from uh, European French settlers from the 1600s talking to people who just got there uh, from Africa. So that's amazing. Anyway, um, so I was just really looking for stories from around the French-speaking world, and particularly black stories, and um, I love digging into history, like we were talking about in the first section, how there's so many stories that kind of get don't get told or mm-hmm. get overlooked. That's right. And um, it's just wrong, and I, I was looking for... Um, for a great story and found the story of General Alex Dumas. And um, I had also worked with this amazing uh, black actor here in Atlanta named Tandiwe Thomas de Chazor. Tandi. Oof. Yeah, Tandi. That's what we call him, Tandi. He, That's a mouthful. I know, but, you know, I mean, he, he can carry that name. Yes, <laughs> he, he can. Yes, he can. He's a brilliant actor and, and just such a deep and loving and generous person. And um, I just really wanted to do a project specifically with him, and he was perfect for this role. So um, just from the get-go, started working with Tandi, started working with a great director named Lauren Morris, and um, a stage manager slash dramaturg, researcher, new play shaper named Mia Kristen Smith, and we built uh, this play about Alex Dumas. So the name of the play, uh, which is now available on film and available for streaming, if I can uh, put that out there, is Code Noir, Les Aventures du Premier Comte de Monte Cristo, which means <laughs> Black Code, The Adventures of the First Count of Monte Cristo. Um, because so many of the things that happened in Alex Dumas' life became inspirations for things that Alexandre Dumas wrote about in his novels. Like Alex Dumas was a great sword fighter, and of course you have all of that sword fighting and everything in The Three Musketeers. Alex Dumas was imprisoned, wrongfully imprisoned, as a kind of a political detainee, um, you know, used basically in a you know, diplomatic struggle between governments, but he was in prison for like uh, 18 months, almost two years, I think, and um, in Naples, Italy. And um, that same thing happens to happens in the book The Count of Monte Cristo, where uh, somebody who uh, did nothing. Uh, gets put in prison for political reasons, and it's just imagine like, that happening. Oh, uh, what? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> so um, that's what we came up with was this notion that um, okay, you've got it happened to Alex Dumas. Alexandre Dumas wrote about it in his uh, book, fa- very famous book, The Count of Monte Cristo, and it's not a thing that has stopped happening. Um, and so we created this story of. Uh, a a modern-day public defender 
who has just run out of steam. She has mm-hmm. lost faith in the justice system. And she's white? She's She is white, woman based in uh, New Orleans. And she has just struggled and struggled and worked and worked. She knows, kind of comes out late in the story, but she knows that she is descended from slaveholders. And it's just really important to her to try to do the right thing in the world. And But it it's hard. Uh, and especially, you know, I did a lot of research on the New Orleans justice system and there's such a backlog anyway for public defenders but after Katrina Mm. um, there were so many trials that just couldn't happen and people were just basically languishing behind bars and so um, so we built a story around that and had her kind of, you know, like in the in the show Outlander where, you know, one minute you're in one time period and shunk, uh, you go through something that we call a time slip. Mm-hmm. So she slips somehow back into uh, time and space and winds up in General Alex Dumas' um, prison cell. And uh, their conversation from there... Uh, it changes both of them. They are both inspired in different ways by each other. Um, it was really, really important to me that this story, Code Noir, Black Code, um, include the Black Code, uh, which is a document governing slavery in the French colonies back in the 1600s. And so we have quotes from that talking about um, what are the consequences of different things. And it's just, it's astonishing and and terrifying to read um, because it says things like, you know, uh, an offense that we would basically call simple battery is punishable by, oh, I don't know, death. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Things like that um, were, I don't know, it's just part of the learning that came out of working on this project uh, is recognizing that legacy of, the specific form that slavery took in the French Empire. And, of course, from there you kind of learn that it was the British, the Spanish, the French, the Portuguese. You know, you can start looking at comparisons of the slave experience over the centuries. And uh, I don't know. I I never stopped learning. I, you know, one of our... um, one of our dramaturgs, our researchers, um, uh, who helped shape the play, Amina McIntyre. Um, I'll tell a little bit more about her in a moment. Uh, she said to me at one point, "Okay, you have to stop doing research. You <laughs> now you know enough. You have to just write." And uh, so that was great. I want to talk about Amina um, and her colleague Adaye Moon, um, who created a place to workshop black stories Mm. and it's called Hush Harbor Lab and it's for black theater artists. Um, I was very honored that our play, um, because I am a white playwright, that they were willing to bring me in and and work on the story but they felt like the story was just so important. Right. And um, And let me, can I pause right here for real quick? You can stop me anytime, Michelle. It's your show. No, no, it's your show. (laughs) No, but I want, because you mentioned, and I want to get back to Hush Harbor but you said you found it so so important to tell black stories. Why? Yeah. Well, because it is. Um, for be- you as a white woman. For I mean, man, I mean for me, I, um, I was born in 1960, um, and I remember the civil rights movement. I remember my father was an Episcopal minister, and I remember him picking up um, somebody at the airport to come and talk to people in our small town in South Carolina about the civil rights movement, like in the 63, 64. And at that time, the churches were segregated. I mean, not that they're not, but it was more 
by necessity. Um, and uh, my father was the priest, Episcopal priest, at a tiny little white church and a tiny little black church. And and I remember going to church there, and uh, I had a dear friend there. Um, I don't want to cry. I had a very dear friend there named Gretchen, and uh, when I was about seven, we moved away, so I didn't, uh, you know, kind of lost touch with her. And when Gretchen and I were both about 10, she passed away from cancer. Oh, wow. So I just, I don't know. Michelle, it's for Gretchen. I do it for Gretchen. I'm assuming Gretchen was black. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Aww. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. I just, it it seems like... um, People are people, and and it's just silly for us not to all be interested in each other's stories. So, wow, beautiful, beautifully said. Oh, we should all be interested in each other's stories. Got it. Wow. Okay. So Hush Harbor Lab, their whole being is telling black stories. That's right. That's right. I mean, Atlanta theater has um, had a real racial reckoning. Um, the summer of 2020, of course, was was that on a grand scale. Uh, in America, but uh, it was a great. The racial reckoning in Atlanta theater had actually started earlier than that. Um, we had a big gathering in like January of 2020 to just start digging in and talking about um, walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. Mm, yeah. um, and so that's that's been going on. And I think Hush Harbor Lab was created partly out of that. Um, to create a space where black artists could come together and feel able to just go ahead and be the kind of vulnerable and present that you have to be to really be a creative artist. Mm. And um, if you're always having to watch your back emotionally, I think it's really hard to do that. So I love that um, that Adaye and Amina created that space. And I've everything that I've, every reading that I've heard or um, every aspect of their process that I've learned about, I've just been so impressed with it because they're also, they based it on the hush harbors, the brush harbors um, that are part of Amer- the American slave experience where um, people who were enslaved and were not allowed to practice their own religion or their own spiritual practices or whatever would meet in in the woods, in the brush, you know, and could have religious rituals or um, maybe uh, a marriage or uh, grieve a lost loved one or whatever in a way that had been handed down to them from their African heritage. That's, you know, I did not know that. And they called them Hush Harbors. Hush Harbor or Brush Harbors. And, wow, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so that. that was the that was the inspiration for the the lab. And then based on that, it was just really important for um, Amina and and Adaye, who are both they are they are deep souls mm. um, to set up the workshop process that they do in a way that really honors the fact that there's a spiritual element to it. So you need to write and then you need to rest. You need to work and then you need to step back. And so they they create a process that goes over a week's time instead of just, you know, a lot of times when we're working on a play, we meet every night and we, you know, boom, 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 write, 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 come back in the next day with new pages. They're like, no, you have to go deep. You have to take time. You have to get rest and you have to have a brave space 
in which to do that. And that's what they've built. And I'm really glad. I think you'll see a lot of great um, writing come out of Hush Harbor from Atlanta's many, many, many black creators. So they're based here in Atlanta. Atlanta. Why did I think they were maybe up in Maine or something? Why? I don't know why. I well, thought- Teatro du Rev, our company, Teatro du Rev, has collaborated with a theater in Maine, right. Penobscot Theater Company in right. Bangor, Maine. Right. So, yeah, we have maybe that connection. But them, yeah, nope, maybe Hush Harbor is piece. right here in Atlanta. Which is awesome. And the yeah. names again? Amina McIntyre and Adaye Moon. They're both playwrights. Um, and they're both dramaturgs, people who can shepherd a new play into existence or do a lot of research around an existing play to really support the director and the writer. Mm-hmm. And um, they, Adaye is um, also associate artistic director at Theatrical Outfit, which is a downtown theater company mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. And Amina is just wrapping up her her doctoral degree uh, in in theology, religion, um, and is connecting that to the artistic process. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And I think it's cool, too, because, I, well, first of all, thank you, right? We love having people that are certainly uh, advocates <laughs> of the stories because, like you, I completely agree. So much of our history, international or otherwise, does not get told at all. I mean, and you even mentioned in in the short uh, that you did, that we did, right? Uh-huh. Tell, talking about the production that you majored in history, in French history, in American, like you, you did all. I this. majored in French, and I had to learn a lot about the French Revolution. But this, this, the fact that there was a Black Legion, um, a legion of men of color, uh, free Black men who fought for liberty, equality, fraternity, the 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 bywords of the French Revolution. I didn't know that. I didn't learn that. And that's crazy. That's yeah. what you studied, and you had no idea. Yeah, that. I mean, I you know, I studied a whole lot of French literature, but um, <laughs> but was I introduced, for instance, to the Negritude movement during that? No, I was not. So wow. the Negritude movement with Aimé Césaire from uh, from uh, Martinique and. Um, now I'm gonna uh, uh, Leopold Senghor, who was a, a French-speaking um, African man, who was a great poet, but also was the first democratically elected president of Senegal. So um, yeah, that's I I don't know. I'm sure that those names passed through my education. Sure, but really, my learning about them has happened, and you know the rest of my life. As well, and, and under your own research. Yeah, I'm a curious person. I want to know things. Yeah. I want to know things. So. Well, we want to know more too, Carolyn, but we can't know it right now because we got to take a quick break. But this is it. fascinating. We've got people on Facebook that are just tuned in. They love awesome. it. Instagram, I'm sure, is popping over there. And of course, Real 1100 AM listeners are probably just pulled off to the side of the road right now, captivated. Y'all drive careful now. <laughs> Guys, it's over the top with Michelle Taylor Willis right here with Real 11 with Carolyn Cook on Real 1100 AM. We're going to come back at the top of the hour with senseless shenanigans and talk about. I was going to say sinful shenanigans. Let's just be senseless. Let's just, yeah. And and when we come back, we'll tell people how to see the show. Oh, absolutely. Because you want to see it, guys. Hang tight. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Michelle. 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 Take this one here for me. 
my gosh, it is officially 5 o'clock. You know how you know? Because the clock says so. Bars. Oh, my gosh. Did you see that? I literally wasn't even trying. I just was like, it just. Is it? Just some things. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say go to work tomorrow and don't, don't think about it. Definitely think about it. <laughs> Always think about it. Yeah. Okay, we'll take that from our handy-dandy intern, uh, Jarrell. Shout-out to Jarrell. And it's actually perfect time, Jarrell, because I believe it's time for senseless shenanigans. Is it not, Greg? Where are that? No. Shenanigans! <laughs> shenanigans! There shenanigans! There we go. There we go. <laughs> Greg, he's sitting there looking at it. He's looking at it like, oh, yeah, 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 it's time. It's time. <laughs> Press the button. No, nah, ain't no problem, Greg. Ain't no problem. Okay, what you got for us, Jarrell, today? So this is something that all Americans and actually people in the world can relate on. Um, we all have to go somewhere, whether it be down the street, down to our mother's house, or even to work. Our regular commute will never end because that's just the way it is. But in the process of all that happening, they thought it was a great idea to make it impossible for us to go anywhere other than working home. <laughs> so I was sadly, you know, thinking about buying a horse due to the crazy amount of gas prices yeah. going up. It is not only inflation out the wazoo, but it is happening daily and really hourly. Yeah. I clocked into work this morning, and when I got off, the guy, uh, the gas price had already jumped up 25 cents in certain areas. Are you serious? I am so serious. And thank goodness I filled up this morning. Um, this isn't a flex, guys. I have to put premium gas in my car. I am furious, okay? <laughs> this... Yeah, because he was not driving that premium mm-hmm. gas car when no. he got to the station Look, I'm today. serious. I was, I was passing a horse ranch and thought about taking one of them things, man. Just it's crazy. When you look at the gas prices across America, sadly, over in the West Coast is the most you're going to pay for gas right now. California. How is, much is it? California is in first place. No competition right now. Gas for regular is $5.57. Are you kidding? That is so senseless. And the only, and this is even crazy to me, the only state that is close to it, which is Hawaii, which is right behind it with $4.77. Four eighty-seven. Four seventy. Four seventy-seven. No, 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 87. Yeah, like 87, 89, 90. For oh, oh, I'm unlated. sorry. Yeah, yeah, unleaded, unleaded, yeah, regular. Yeah, regular. I'm sorry, yes. I'm, look, Oof, I'm, I'm thinking He's just a kid. Okay, hey, I'm like, I'm, I'm 12 to her, y'all. Um, <laughs> No, yes. Uh, the how big much three. Is, how much is premium in California? Premium in California is five dollars and eighty-five cents. Wow, that's on, that's on average, right? And diesel on in average, California on average is five dollars. And I'm look. Let's just round it up. It's six dollars. It is five dollars and ninety-nine cents on oh, average. Man. On average, yes. I have one word for you. Yes. Bicycle. Bi- mm. I know. Mm. Okay. And you were, you know, we're starting to see that more and more in Atlanta. You, I, I see bikers on the road. I mean, like on real streets. Now you used to just be like a side, side street. Side street. But I'm seeing, I'm literally seeing people like riding their bike. This was before the gas prices. But gotcha. I, I mean, I might have to start riding to the studio. Hey, Lil Nas X was right. Got to take that old town horse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just, just pull him out from the back. No, that is crazy. But you know what? What if this is another reason? That we just need to get back to Zooming. Hey. Because I can see people being like, look, I'm not driving. Well, the president so wants everyone to go back to the office. Well, why does? how does he want everybody to go back to the office when it costs On a bicycle. $150 to fill up your gas tank? People can, uh, they can walk, um, take a bicycle, 
do the, the scooters. The scooters can come back. So this is what I want to know. because Public when, transportation, y'all. Public yeah. Well, I mean, it that's costs money to fill up those buses. Well, that's and true. The buses. That's and true. You know what? I will say Atlanta, I think they dropped the ball on public transportation. I'm afraid so. I yeah. am, and I've been to a lot of other cities in this great country, and I was just in Chicago last month, and I had to hop on the train. It was seamless. Yeah. Every time I come to the MARTA station, I am lost, and, <laughs> and I'm from here. This doesn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> It's like, am I at the Dome or am I at the State Farm? I don't know where we're getting off at. And then to the hours of delays to the bus or the train station not even showing up sometimes. It the train is, doesn't show up sometimes? Michelle, I one time, I, the year was 2017. <laughs> fresh out of high school. Fresh out of high school. I didn't even have my license yet, okay? I went to the train station with my buddy. The train's supposed to get there around 2.33 o'clock, maybe 2.45. Uh, long story short, we were there from the sun up to sunrise, and the train well, had actually. You know, that's the same time, right? So you weren't there very long. Well, not, not there very long, Sun but up to sunrise. sunrise, not like. But <laughs> we were the, there from sunrise to sunrise. No, oh, a full twenty-four hours. It turns out the train didn't even run that day, so they thought it was a good idea not to tell a single soul. It was just everybody outside waiting. So you had people missing work, people not be able to, you know, go back home on time. Is that it still was the lot. case? I want to know. Okay, if you're in Atlanta, Instagram, Facebook at Michelle Taylor Willis, do you take Marta? In Atlanta, is this the thing? Do you take Marta? I I do, I do. I don't. It's not all the time, but if I'm going somewhere where I know absolutely I can get from the station to where I need to be, like for instance, I attended something at the state capitol one day. It was Michelle Taylor Willis Day, and uh, you know I'm not too far from the Avondale Marta station where I live, so I go park my car there, get on the get on the train, I ride on in, get off at the Georgia State Station, walk straight over to that gold dome. Mm. And it was perfect. Uh, it was so easy. I didn't have to find a place to park. So it was pretty, so it was, I guess, if, if you I mean, that's what, a straight shot. I didn't have to change trains. I didn't, okay, you know, it's it 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 great. That's good. Well, I think Marta probably could be stepping up its game I, right now. I, because I would say, hey, City of Atlanta, let's do it. Let's yeah. make it better. And to make it sound better, this isn't Marta's fault, okay? They they messed them up when they didn't give Cobb County and all the metro counties, you know, mm-hmm. the same type of transportation. Like, why is Cobb Link competing with Marta? Right. They should be tag-teaming it. That's I don't, right. So it's not their fault. It's, you know, you know how this Look goes. Look at the young bucks spitting some knowledge over here. Hey, your I may be 12, but I know one or two things, okay? <laughs> All right. All right. So today, Wednesday, March 8th, March 9th, senseless shenanigans are gas prices. And they have got to come down. Do they? I mean, are they going to come down? Like, I think it's going to take a while. I you do? I you think do. so? I do. You know, because sadly, um, the stuff going on overseas, they're using that as an excuse when they know good and well it was already going on the rise. So that's just to give them time. They sit waiting for opportunities like this, you know. Yeah. Or well. do they create them? Mm. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. But listen, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You all know, right. You know the FBI is going to be waiting for us outside the listen, garden, right? Listen, listen. No, because it's all jokes. It's all jokes. <laughs> Fun. All right, thank you so much for our senseless shenanigans today. Awesome, see you guys next week. I'll be on my bike. <laughs> yes. All right, and so we're, I thought we were going to play. So, so you guys can't see us, so I'm looking at Greg going, are you going to play senseless shenanigans again to close us out? And he's looking at me like, what are you looking at, Michelle? You're crazy. He's like, no, I'm not. Okay, fine. I'll do it myself. Shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans. No. <laughs> awesome job, Jarrell. Thank you. Okay. All right. So back. You know, he's amazing. He's amazing. All right. So back to this piece. I got a couple questions for you. Did you at any point reach out to Mr. Reese 
to let him know? Does he know that this is what? No, I didn't. I, I you know, I just wanted to be very, very careful as I worked through that I wasn't right. plagiarizing, that right. I wasn't using his material. Right. Um, it, it did not. I did not know when I was starting to work on this that it was going to be anything but a play in Atlanta, Georgia that ran for three weeks in a small theater. <laughs> right. I didn't know it was going to be a film. I didn't know, you know, because this was uh, 2018 that right. I that I was writing and 2019 that we produced it. And um, so that, that, no, I haven't. I might. I might at I just, some point. I know. I don't know. Well, yeah. I, and what I meant by that is, like, I wonder if he could see the true impact that his book is I hope, having. I hope he knows. You I know what I mean? I hope he does because um, it really is. And I think it's, it's, it's been, like, a bestseller and it's, it's terrific. So Yeah. yeah. And so, and so good. And the book that we're talking about, if anybody's just coming in, is The Black Count. Yes. Uh, by Tom Reese, and um, and the 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 it's the biography of General Alex Dumas, and that is what the project that we're talking about is is based on um, the life of General Alex Dumas, and yeah, so our piece is it's it's not an adaptation of Tom Reese's book, but it's it's based on the same person's life, yeah. And so, talk to me. I want to now. I want to kind of move into the play piece mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. and the characters, and building this out, and then you actually writing the script because you wrote the script, right? Yes, yes. I I seem to remember doing that. Yes, yes. you did. And I don't know how you did it because when you watch it, either in stage format or in film, it's the characters are so wonderfully enveloped in complexities. Mm. I mean, like, every single character. And so let me just, for you, those of you who have not seen the play or the film, Code Noir, um, Carolyn plays, like, 59 characters in the... 59. <laughs> <laughs> she, there's Alex Dumas, who is played beautifully by Tandy. And then there's his mother, Marie Sassette Dumas, who I play. And then there are literally... Thank you. And then there are literally, I mean, there's Bonaparte. There's Alex's wife. There's uh, the Alex's the housekeeper at Alex's dad's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, his dad's uh, plantation when he first comes. There's Alex's dad. Yes. Um, you know, there's the woman on the ship. I mean, there's all of these different characters, and the thing about it is, each character that you play is believable. Like you don't break character from any character. No character bleeds into the other one. I mean, it is it is true. Thespianship is that a word? Uh, I it, it is, is now. If it wasn't, it is now. Of, it's like it's acting at its best so much to where like people were calling me literally the day after, and they were like, some of them couldn't remember. There's one person I couldn't remember your name. He's like, uh, the woman. She was, she's fantastic. Like I don't know how she did that. Like how did she even in her brain? come up with these characters and then how was she able to act them out so I'm going to ask you that question well um, first of all every character that I play other than the defense attorney so I said you know this is a, a New Orleans modern New Orleans defense attorney who has just about given up on justice who who finds herself in a time slip and winds up in the the prison cell with Alex Dumas and uh, and starts asking him about his life while well, all of the other characters in his life that he tells her about as he's sort of telling her his life story um, it, what happens is, she 
I don't know whether it's like, is it that we are seeing her become those people because she's hearing those stories? Or is it just the actor becoming those people so that the audience can hear those stories? It doesn't matter. What happens is when it's time for a story about Alex's father, for instance, I become Alex's father. Right. And we have that scene, you know, and then we come back to... I'm sorry. Did I plan it. on that? Did you plan on playing each of those parts? I cut you I, off. I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I, but once I realized that there were going to be all these other characters, um, when I was writing it, I realized that was we were either going to have like a huge cast for the show, or it was going to be a case of an actor <laughs> playing multiple roles. Right. And I thought maybe it might be an additional person. You know, maybe we'd bring in a guy to play the father. And then I was like, but could that guy play? I, 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 and I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, if somebody's going to play multiple roles, right. I would like to do that. And so that is that is how we did it. We it, the play could be produced with one actor playing uh, Dumas and uh, somebody playing Sandrine, and then different actors playing all those different roles. Right. That would work, I think. But I think that part of the magic of the production that we created is that you do get to see an actor. Um, just dive into a whole lot of different characters, and yeah, and yeah. Um, it's it's fun. It's, it's magical, it's, is what it is. Because well, you, thank you, you're doing it, and I know you've seen yourself now on film. Right? Yeah, but I criticize it when I watch. I'm it. sure you do. You're like, oh, Carolyn. Oh, wait, wait, what was that? No, but it's magic, and even I mean, we've, we're sitting here with people, you know, half our ages, right? A 15 year old, a 22 year old. A twenty-three-year-old who were who watched it and were like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is fantastic!" And the fact it was done so seamlessly. And for those of you, if you're listening on Real Eleven Hundred AM uh, or watching on Facebook, Instagram at Michelle Taylor Willis, and you you haven't seen it, you got to check out Code Noir because what Carolyn is able to do as she has these slips is she literally becomes. The character and the way that it's filmed, which is different from when you're watching it on stage, right? Because when you're watching it as a play, you you know, you can see you kind of go off and then come back or see. But what happens is she it, she just kind of fades out of frame, right? You fade out of the TV box, so to speak. And then it's and then the camera's back on Alex Dumas and he's talking and he's like, Yeah, and then my father, you know, who sadly sold me off or whatever you know and then it camera cuts to carolyn who is actually uh <laughs> alex's dad and he is just this mean and rude and selfish and conniving and self-serving and just a not not a nice person which is the absolute opposite of you carolyn Aww. and and but everything in your being display. I mean, your facial figures. Your, yeah, you just got Your gotta... French was harsher. Your the body language was just. I I'm so glad you brought up the French because that is a point that I I think is is exciting about this piece as well is that it's in both languages, mm -hmm. and it's always subtitled. You know, if you in the language that you wouldn't understand, but it's it's if if you don't speak French, but it's um it's this. 
not only are these other characters there, they speak French mm. because they are French. Right. And your character speaks Haitian Creole because yes. she is Haitian. Yes. And um, I think that that's a very important part of the piece as well. And it's, you know, if people are wondering, because I, I know we've been like building up to this for a long time, but um, the, the name of the piece is Code Noir, um, sort of like film noir, Code Noir. And uh you can get um, streaming tickets for it for the next three weeks. So from now, we just started streaming yesterday morning mm-hmm. through um, March 31st um, on Show Ticks for You. If you go to that and just type in Teatro du Rev or Code Noir, I'm sure it'll come up. So Show Ticks, T-I-X, four, number four, letter U, um, is the platform that we're using. But a super easy way to get there is to go to the Teatro du Rev website, and there's in the right-hand uh, sidebar, it says click here for Code Noir. You know, it's just click right there. So, and spell Teatro du Rev again. Absolutely. Just for that, yeah. It's theater with an R-E, so T-H-E-A-T-R-E, D as in dog, U, Rev, R-E-V-E. I always tell people it looks like theater du Rive. Yep. Theater du Rive. Um, and <laughs> Which is how some people Another thing is sometimes we just call ourselves TDR, Teatro du Rev, TDR. And um, so you can try, I'm, I, I'm 99.9% sure that we still have um, the website name TDRATL. Dot org. Oh, is it dot org? It's dot okay. org. T-D-R-E-T-L. And that will get you there, too. And then you go just to our, our homepage, and there it is. Um, yeah, so it's... And I want to give you this praise, too. Someone on Facebook, Christopher Pike, says she was epic. He said it again. She Aww. was epic. Uh, you, it, it was... I, I want you to understand, like, watching it, how how amazing you were. You know, I'm so grateful. I thank you, Christopher. Um, <laughs> I'm so grateful. And and you know, my mom is 95 years old, and and uh, she she has dementia. I'm a big advocate for like staying in relationship with people with dementia because I think they're they're still in there. They may not be able to do or say as much, but they're there. And um, she's always been so supportive of me. And uh, okay, here, I'm going to cry again. Uh, Gosh, we last... had to cry twice, guys. <laughs> it's a great show. Last <laughs> week or the week before, um, you know, when she wasn't saying, where am I, which she also says sometimes, she said, um, you have so much talent. And I was like, oh, Mom, Aww. you're so sweet. And then she said, use it to serve others. Oh, wow. I'm like, Mom, thank you. You know, because when you get discouraged and or you feel like, I mean, at that point, I don't think we had premiered the film and I didn't, you know, it's you're so nervous and you're not quite sure how things are going to turn out and everything. And and there she was. She nailed it. That was that's the point, Mom. Well, that's what but you do that. You do that. And listening to you talk about your dad, you know, as the the priest and the church and, you know, he was ahead of his time back in the 60s, just making sure that his, he was setting his daughter up to be able to receive the world in the way that the world wanted to be received, right? And you've carried that completely through your adulthood. And so I would absolutely tell your mother that you are serving, even down to the point to where with this film, you know, where they're, you're offering it free to Title I schools. That's because, right. That's right. You know, that you told the example of how with the original play, 
they couldn't afford transportation. Right. We and had so a school that that had been that had brought a fantastic group of students the year before to a show, and then I knew we were doing Code Noir. I thought I really want this school to be able to come, and uh, it was a Title One school. And the the problem was the transportation. It wasn't even just the cost of our. Uh, tickets because we intentionally keep our tickets for student matinees as low as we can. Um, it, it, but it was just, it was, they just couldn't afford the field trip, speaking of gas prices. <laughs> um, and so when once we decided to make this film, and it was something that we knew we could make available to schools, um, and that was set up to be able to play right there in their classroom. Like, they didn't even have to walk down the hall to the auditorium or whatever. Um, we knew that absolutely there needed to be no barrier, mm. no barrier mm. for Title I schools to be able to see it. Right. Um, so there you go. No so cost. You are serving. Yeah. yeah we have a, certainly we, we are asking schools that can afford it to please pay. Uh, you know, we need to make our costs back and, and pay our artists. I mean, I, I'm very committed to that as well. Absolutely. People should if people uh, choose to go into this incredibly difficult but incredibly personally rewarding mm -hmm. field, um, they ought to be able to make something close to a living. And so it's very important to me to pay people for their work. I, on the other hand, um, I'm not going to charge people who can't afford it mm. uh, to see it. You know, it just needs to be available. Wow. I love that. I love that. I love that. Service. Service is a verb, isn't it? Guys, it's Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis. We've got Carolyn Cook in here from Teach to Rev. She's talking about this beautiful, beautiful piece, Code Noir, Les Premiers Aventures du... Les no. Aventures du Les Premier, aventures du premier oui. Comte de Monte Cristo. Right. And uh, Real 1100 AM listeners, please don't go anywhere. Facebook, Instagram. We're going to come back with Ask Michelle or Ask Carolyn because she's got some amazing answers. And one of the questions I have for you is how do you prepare for 15 different parts? 404-603-8770. Come back. Ask Michelle. That segment's brought to you by Pristine and Clean TV Solutions. Make sure you holler at my boy, Justin. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Michelle. That's me. Okay, he made up for the not having senseless shenanigans. Uh, I mean, that actually was pretty dope. All right, it is time for the Ask Michelle segment. If there's any questions in the comments on Facebook and or Instagram. I have or, a question for you, Michelle. You have a question for me? Okay. As soon as I do this nice little live read for one of our sponsors, you can ask it. The Ask Michelle segment today is brought to you by Pristine and Clean TV Installations. Do you need a TV mount mounted on your wall? Not right now, but I'm sure I will one day. There you go. And when you do, you got to make sure you reach out to our friend, Justin Woodard at Pristine and Clean TV Installations. They come out, they wirelessly hang the TV. It looks beautiful. And then they put like LED lights behind it. It looks like you are ready. All you need is popcorn. Nice. You see some popcorn, you start eating, you're watching a beautiful film or TV show, whatever. Like Code Noir? Or Code Noir. <laughs> Les Aventures du Premier Comte de Monte Cristo. Ça c'est parfait sur la télé. And so you got to reach out to him. So guys, go to the website, Premier, Premier. I'm going to get thinking of the, the, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> pristine, Pristine. Pristine and Clean TV Installations dot GoDaddy dot com. Go there. Schedule an appointment. 
Justin and his team will come out and within like, I don't know, probably an hour or so, your TV will be hanging on the wall. No wires. Awesome. No wires. Yeah. And it just looks like it was born to be there. You're welcome. There you Get go. it off the floor. Get it out of the box. <laughs> Get it off the buffet. Just sitting there. Get it mounted all beautifully. Okay. Now, I understand you have a question for me. I do. Okay. How did it feel to take on the role of General Alex Dumas' mother in uh, this film? Uh, because you really embodied it, Michelle. I have to tell you, I, there was this presence about you. One of the things that we learned when we were working on it is that uh, women of color in Saint-Domingue, which is the French colony that later became known as Haiti, um, after as a result of the successful rebellion, um, Michelle, you played one of those magnificent women in that, speaking of Women's History Month, in that place, um, who had influence and um, some wealth, and who really, because as we've said in, earlier in this in this show, Alex Dumas' father, who was a sort of a rogue French aristocrat, um, did not have a lot of business sense. Uh, there's no way he could have run the tobacco plantation that he had without the leadership of Marie-Cécette Dumas, who's the person you played. And um, Marie-Cécette Dumas must have been a great mother because when Mm. Alex, later as an adult, enlisted in the army and his father uh, refused to let him enlist under the aristocratic name, he took his mother's name. He took the name Dumas. So So you played the woman who, from whom we get the name Dumas on the cover of the book, The Count of Monte Cristo and the Three Musketeers and so on and on and on. Um, it's her name that was passed on. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to embody that person, uh, that influential person in Alex's life? So it felt great for a couple of reasons. One, because as a mom, I know what that feels like. You know, she had Alex and a couple other kids, I think. Too. Yes. Um, and I have four boys. Yeah. And so a relate, the relationship between mother and son, I just think is very, really special. You know what I mean? Uh, I love my voice. And I just got the feeling that she was just in love with her son. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know some of that we had to create, right? Because there's not a lot on her at all. That's right. And so, but I just, it, it's just going to sound hokey, but it was almost spiritual. It was like I could feel that she just felt this way and I think when you know I put on the period piece Mm -hmm. I was wearing the uh I don't even know what the form I mean the skirt and all the tops it's like 13 layers of clothes (laughs) (laughs) like here put this on all right now put this on beautiful costumes by Jennifer Schottstad Jennifer knocked it out the park yeah costumes yes um and so when I put that on and then as I was working with Ash the amazing movement coordinator Anderson Mm -hmm. um and she was explaining to me why the movement was important and why, and this woman of power, right? Yeah. So I felt honored because, like you said, she was a woman of influence, a powerful woman on the island. She was a businesswoman. Right. You know, she was kind of the opposite of what 
Alex Dumas was, right? The, 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 father. the father. The father. His exactly. name was. His name wasn't even du- it wasn't Dumas. Even, yeah. Dumas was her name. And so, right. Yeah. Pali- he, Pali- he came. Pali- he came right? from. Yeah. Pietri. He came Pali- from. Pali- he came from privilege. He came from. You know, not having to uh, work for his money. Right. And. Um, and she was the opposite of that. She was, she was so enterprising and mm-hmm. so. And to play somebody like that is, I just think that's an honor in itself because, you know, I might be a little bit like her. Yeah, I think, you, I think you might be a, yeah, just a, a, little bit. a strong woman <laughs> raising significance in your children. There you and go. Shout out to the book woo-woo. raising significance. And, um, and also um, doing business and, and also serving your community. I mean, yeah. I think that that's... I, you really brought that to her. I just, I loved it, and I just wanted to ask how that felt for you. It felt amazing. And the other thing, too, is that I don't know if I told you this or not, but I researched, you know, that time period yeah. to know what it was like as a woman leading that charge, you know, running businesses and plantations and farms and all these things. And um, and I really took the role very seriously because when we first started, it wasn't speaking. I was just there to, you know, kind of be in the background and do all of these things. And so I wanted to make sure that whatever was being said by Alex, my son, I was embodying in movement. And so I wanted to know how did they walk back then? How did they move? What Mm -hmm. was the... Mm -hmm. So, you know, it felt good. It was very different because I've never done a speak... I've never had an acting role where I didn't speak. Right, yeah. You had to just be just sort of right. own it and yeah. that's tough yeah. that's harder than yeah. speaking i think yeah it's it's you know that's why people say you know with actors sometimes after a play or something people will ask how did you learn all those lines and we're like you know that's not even the half of it right yeah right yeah and to your point you know when we were doing the voiceovers mm-hmm. it was like i know french obviously but Haitian Creole. Haitian is, Creole. You had to totally learn different. the lines in Haitian Creole. That's and then right. you have to learn, then you have to act the lines. Yep. So you have to say the lines in a certain way, and then you have to say them in a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. So it was just, it was all weird, but incredibly rewarding. Like yeah. when I was watching it and listening, I was like, hey, I did those voiceovers. You, you know? like, sure did. It was you just sure did. Crazy. So I don't know. A very long answer to your question, but yeah, it was great. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you were there. I was honored that you guys allowed me to to take that on. Well, our pleasure. Our pleasure. And Lauren is fantastic. Great director, Lauren Morris. Yeah. How did you get her to buy into that vision of yours? Uh, she, uh, she was with me from the very beginning, Michelle. Wow. I mean, just even when I talked about, like, what? I, I want to do this project. I don't know. I guess, you know. There needs to be, if, if we're going to have Alex's story, he has to have somebody to tell it to. And so that's where the character of the public defender came up and all of that kind of stuff. A lot of that happened in conversations with Lauren. Really? So, yeah. So Lauren Morris, watch for that name. She's. I'm on my way just this evening over to the Alliance Theater to watch a play reading that Lauren Morris is directing. I saw so, that on her Instagram yeah, page. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you find Tandi? I think you might have said this earlier. We were in a play together at Actors Express, another local theater that does beautiful work. Um, We did Tony Kushner's Angels in America together. And just just to refresh, guys, Tandi actually plays Alex Dumas. Mm -hmm. And he... He... Yeah. He's Alex Dumas, as far as I can tell. He embodies Alex Dumas. He does. Yes. 
How did he, how do you think he was able to just pull that off so beautifully? Well, he definitely did the research. Um, and then he did connect it to, as you always do with with a character, um, connect it to situations in his own life where there might be parallels. I mean, obviously, you're playing a character. It's not just you out there. But if you can find in yourself what situation in my life would make me feel that, whatever that is, uh, that angry, that passionate, that frustrated, that thrilled, mm. that trapped. Um, you know, I know that he he's just really good at being able to tap into the essence of what's happening in the moment. And, yeah, he's amazing. And, and so how were you able to tap into Bonaparte and to his father and to the wife and to mm. the housekeeper who was like, oh, yeah, this was mine? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've always just enjoyed using my imagination, um, and I mean, like I, this kid when I was, you know, nine, eight, seven. This kid could daydream. You know, the homework did not get done until mom said, "Stop daydreaming." So, um, yeah, I just, I just like to 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 dream it, and and again, you know, they were all based on actual people, historical figures. Right, sure. So, you know, just to look at, well, what situation was this person in? This person uh, was working as a housekeeper, but she wanted to be a social climber and she was going to try to, you know, get her hands on the fortune of the gentleman at the house. Well, what kind of person, you know, what kind of situation is that? She needs money. She needs attention. She, you know, just go for it and, and try to get those things right. and you find that person. It's always about finding the motivation, right? Right. TeatraDurev.com org that is correct guys you can go there you can find out uh you can click on the right get tickets to see code, code noir. noir so let me ask you this before we go to this next break carolyn why do you think and this is just your opinion so much black history american in the world or whatever is being or has been erased or marginalized or well, or forgotten. I, I, I don't know. As a white person, I, I, I'm, I can speak from my perspective as, as a woman in women's history. Uh, I, I definitely have felt that, you know, it's threatening. If you're, if you're in a position of power, it can feel threatening to, to realize that uh, people's stories that you have not heard may have influenced your rise to that position of power mm. and um, it's easier just not to know the stories it's easier just not to assume that they exist um, I was just looking because a friend of mine was posting something about Women's History Month and and that uh, of all of the female directors in the silent film era that Hollywood was crawling with women directors. Wow. Right? And so there's wow. a thing that I did not know that, for instance, I believe she said, I hope I'm quoting this right, that a woman director, a woman in film, invented the, the boom microphone. Are you serious? I'm serious. And and so I think those those kinds of um, those kinds of things are we need to dig them out. We need to pay attention. We need to give credit where credit is due. Mm. We need to we unbury need to the stories. And I love what you said when you first started talking. You said you can imagine in a when you're in a position of power. <laughs> yeah. Right? To unearth 
the things that weren't so nice that attributed to your rise. Yes, yes. That could be... Yeah. That could feel not so good. Yeah. Right. So it's easier. It's, it's, you know, you think I'm a good person, so there can be no bad in my history. Um, but you know what? That's, that's, people are complicated. There's good and bad in everyone. Right. And <laughs> you sound uh, like the song, there is good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> Paul McCartney. Well, it's just true. So, and if you can open yourself up to that, then those th- stories are not threatening. They're not threatening. They're, They're enlightening. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And exciting. So, um, and I love what. With Sandrine, Sandrine, yes, the, the the public the defender public character defender, in the film. Yes, what she said at the towards the end of the film, which I just thought was because so many people in your position have said that. Like, I've tried to spend the last thirty years making up for it. Mm-hmm. It being mm-hmm. the disasters of my ancestors. Yeah, she carries right? the she carries she the carries weight that, of yes. responsibility in in her own heritage for what happened to so many African people, um, and she just it weighs heavily on her. weighs very heavily on her. Do you think there's a way to atone? Is there a way to make up? That is a great exploration. That is. I think the answer to that is huge and complex, and I what I've settled on for myself, only myself, is one way is to tell stories. Mm. One way is to bring out stories that haven't been told, and um, I'm a storyteller, so that's what I can do. And a beautiful one at that. Guys, make sure you go to theatredurev.com. That's T-H-E-A-T-R-E-D-U. R E V E dot com. You can click on the site on the site there. You can get tickets. You can live stream. It's only fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. The film is uh, seventy minutes long, so an hour and ten minutes. And um, yeah, it's an indie. It's an indie. It's it an co- indie you film. know, it's it, it is fifteen dollars because we're not like a major studio and we're not on Netflix. But um, I hope I and I believe that it would be $15 well spent. Oh, yeah. And when, when we watch it, it'll be like, oh, my gosh, I would have paid more for this. I would have paid more for it. Okay, guys, we got one more break. It's going to be real quick. We're going to come back. Tell us exactly how we can get to Teatro du Rev, how you can get involved. You can volunteer. You can donate. You can watch the movie. All of those things, and then we're going to be out of your hair. Don't go. I promise we'll be right back. Michelle. 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 Take this one here for me and my DJ. Real 1100 AM listeners, iHeartRadio listeners, Facebook, Instagram, at Michelle Taylor Willis. It's been two hours. Like, literally, I, I, it flies by every time. I just want to thank you guys for hanging in there with me. And Carolyn Cook from Theatre du Rev, the brainchild behind Code Noir. Les Aventures du Premier Comte de Monte Cristo is streaming live right now on uh, Show Ticks for You. You can go to the theatre.com, theatredurev.com website. Follow them at TDR Atlanta, Theatre du Rev. I mean, every, just Google it. It all comes up. But Carolyn, thank you so much for, for taking the chance, for taking the risk to telling the stories. You said you're a storyteller and you've been so intentional. Um, about telling these stories and partnering with 
um, with Blacks, really, that have stories to tell. And I hope that this is not the only one that you tell. You continue to tell Oh, no way, no way. Okay, let me just plant a little seed here in our listeners' minds. If you don't know about her, you want to go and Google Bessie Coleman. Bessie Coleman, the first African-American woman to earn an international pilot's license. American woman um, who was not able, this was in the 20s, barnstorming, you know, she was a trick, she was a trick aviator. She could do the loops and loops and all this kind of stuff. Wow. And um, she was not uh, as both because of her race and her gender, uh, she was not welcome in American um, pilot schools, flight schools. So, you know, she knew that she could get training in France. So she learned French and went to France. And that is where she got her pilot's license. So uh, that's on the back burner. Um, I have commissioned our friend Amina McIntyre to take a look at that story and write us a play. So there you go. Oh, my gosh. How amazing is that? I don't know when it will happen, but it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Oh, what? Wow. Look at you. you awesome. Got awesome. You're that good. It takes a lot for Greg to actually move and press a button to, to give you those applause. Cause <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Well, Teatro du Rev, Theater of the Dream. I mean, you've got a dream. You know, you gotta you got to go looking for stories and, and dream ideas. It's, it's exciting. Well, you've made one of my dreams come true. You put me in my first movie. So thank you thank again you. thank you guys for trusting me with that part such a pivotal part to such a beautiful story thank you for coming on and giving me two hours of your time tell us again real quick how do they watch the movie how do they get to you Teatro du Rev all of that well it's Teatro du Rev when you spell it out in English it looks like Theater du Rev T-H-E-A-T-R-E D-U-R-E-V-E and you can do .org or .com on that um, we're on Instagram at Teatro du Rev and uh, on Facebook, Teatro Rev. And uh, we have on our website, which you can find, as I just told you, um, a link directly to where to buy tickets. It'll take you to the platform Show Ticks for You. So if you want to just look us up on Show Ticks for You, that's show, T-I-X, number four, letter U. And just look for Teatro du Rev and you will find our film Code Noir Les Aventures du Premier Comte de Monte Cristo Black Code Doesn't she sound so cute when she says it? <laughs> and she looks adorable I could see I could see the little girl dreamer in you absolutely I could see her and thanks again to everybody I can't believe it's the end of the show we're done and we've had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song Seems we just got started and before you know it My son is like, seriously, what are you doing? One, I don't like the song. Two, you can't sing it. But we have to end. Greg had the great idea. He's like, I'm going to play it every at the end of That's every right. song for you. So That's right. The Carol Burnett Show. The Carol Burnett Love Show. That That's show. right. That is right. Listen, every week I'm here at Wednesdays at 4 p.m. And it's called Over the Top for a reason. It's because the guests I bring to you are over the top in like the best way possible. They're doing over the top things. They have over the top dreams. And if they can do it, you 
can too. You can follow me at Michelle Taylor Willis on just about everything. Make sure you check out my new show, Black is the New Green, on Radivision.com every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. According to Michelle, is on hiatus right now, but you can still have advertising opportunities. You can advertise in SoFu Lifestyle Magazine. You can advertise on one of our billboards. Go to Ganyo Media, G-A-G-N-A-N-T Media.com. But just come back here next Wednesday, 4 p.m. on Real 1100 AM or on Radio. Right now, though, guys, I am out. See ya. You've been over the top with Michelle Taylor Willis. Tune in every Wednesday at 4 p.m. on The Real 1100. Night, Michelle.